podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Ted. And uh, this episode has been a little delayed due to our work schedules, but uh, we finally found time to uh, get together and put this one together. So uh, the uh, Pens are now um, 11 and 6. They got 22 points, leading the Metropolitan Division. And uh, so far in the month of November, they've gone 2 and 2. Uh, two wins against the Columbus Blue Jackets and losses to the Rangers and the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, it's actually been a while since we've done the last podcast. So in, during that time, they've had a three-game losing streak, and now they're in the midst of a two-game losing streak. Yeah, it kind of, I don't know, there's kind of, it, it seems to be changing. Like, things just don't feel the same like they did at the beginning of the season. They seem to not be playing the kind of sound defense they were. And they're playing better opponents. That's um, true, too. Chalk a lot of it up to that. Um, you know, New York Rangers, I didn't think they'd be as much sort of a challenge. But really, when you talk about the Rangers' strength, it would be defense. Um, you know, they have a great blue line. And, of course, they have Henry Lundquist in net. Uh, you know, the Blues with Ken Hitchcock. You know, you know they're going to be a good defensive team. Uh, really, their most impressive win during that span, I would say, is against Boston, which was really an odd game. Uh, you know, I'm sure Claude Ju- Julian was furious after that game because Boston played a very wide open, uh, just, you know, very offensive, not real defensive responsibility. And uh, that's really not the kind of game they play in the playoffs, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. And that's what happened last year too. I think uh, Pittsburgh won the uh, the season series against Boston because yeah. they, and then in the playoffs they played a totally different style. Mm-hmm. But um, like the loss to the Rangers was five to one. Yeah, it just seems like once they got down, they just kind of gave up. Like they played really great for the first like fifteen minutes. And you kind of thought, like, oh, they're going to handle these guys pretty easily. And then they got scored on, and everything kind of fell apart. Yeah, well, they gave up two goals right at the end of the first period uh, in, like, the last two minutes. So that was just really a backbreaker for them. Uh, The one thing that really concerns me is I do not see much of a difference between the Penguins of this year and last. Um, I know Scuderi is injured now. Uh, but he's going to be out for some time. You know, he has surgery on his ankle. Um, you know, they're trying to implement the left-wing lock. Um, but they're just not playing real great defensive. And then when they run into um, good defensive-minded teams like the Rangers, Blues, and at times the Bruins, um, they just don't seem to have much form. Yeah, it's um, it's concerning that games against good teams um, almost always end up being a loss. So, and that, I think, has something to do with playing in in a division that's so weak. Like, you know, with almost any divisional opponent, the Pens can kind of, like, 80% show up and beat the Carolina Hurricane. Or, you know... Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. That's another thing. Uh, if you 
don't watch a Pittsburgh news channel, just look at like national NHL news. People will talk highly of the Penguins. Um, you know, everyone believes they'll be right at the top as far as offense goes uh, this season. And I think they will, but that's going to be more because they're going to put up eight goals against Winnipeg or Florida. Um, but when they play, you know, a defensive team, you know, they may struggle to put up two goals. Yeah. And also some some of the offensive leaders haven't been scoring as of late. I think Malkin hasn't scored in 11 games, hasn't scored a goal. Yeah. Um Crosby it's, hasn't gone seven games. Yeah, Crosby in seven, and then uh, I think Dupuis also in, like, nine games. Yeah. And, you know, Crosby and Dupuis at the beginning of the season were on a uh, pretty, pretty crazy pace, especially Crosby. So now that the top end of their scoring is tailed off, um, they're not getting what they need from other guys either. And in situations where the top line is going to face – you know, the top defensive pairing like they did um, against the Blues, you really need scoring from throughout the lineup. And, uh, you know, to an extent they're getting it with guys guys like Yusei Jokinen. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's yeah. the other guy right now. Yeah, and a lot of it is, uh, you know, we're not trying to push the panic button right now. Uh, you know, some of it will come with uh, chemistry. Um, Malkin and Jokinen... Um, I assume they'll be together for a while at least to see what comes of that. Uh, James Neal uh, just played his first game back from injury. So really just getting those three guys together, see if they can gel. Um, And there was some talk right before Neal came back of um, people having to respect James Neal. So it takes some of the heat off Malkin, which allows him to produce. Um, then really, the third line, you know, you just have to see, you know, five or six guys that could be on that, you know, just have to see how that shakes down. Yeah, I read today that Brandon Sutter has had uh, 18 different line mates this mm-hmm. season because uh, people on, you know, both sides are keep getting injured. Um, but anyway, the next three opponents the Pens will face are uh, Philadelphia Flyers coming up on Wednesday the uh, Nashville Predators on Friday and the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. Yeah, this is a you know, a stretch where they really need to come in you know, just win games, you know, they should be able to go 3-0. Uh, you know, the Flyers having a rough season. Uh, the Predators not doing real bad, but they're without Pekka Rene now who had some uh, injury issues and then the Devils also struggling. And they'll be playing 11 games in 18 days, so they need to come out strong and just put up some points. Yeah, in that 18 days, they have three back-to-backs, and um, it's going to be kind of an intense uh, couple weeks. Yeah, and it's you know, a good mixture of home and away, so we'll be doing a lot of traveling as well. Yeah. Um, some notes about those opponents. The Flyers are 5-10-1, and one, so... They've somehow won five games. Um, currently uh, last in the uh, Metropolitan Division, and their captain, Claude Giroux, uh, recently scored his first goal of the season. Yeah, so Very alarming if you're a Philadelphia fan. Yeah. 
And uh, the Predators, um, fifth in the Central Division in the Western Conference right now. They're eight, seven, and two. And uh, Pecorine actually went out with uh, a bacterial infection. And according to NHL Network or NBC Sports, it was a uh, E. coli. Wow. Which was like that's real crazy yeah that's serious there have been some weird like injuries and things that have kept goalies out of games this season mm-hmm. like Thomas Vokun with the blood clot issue um, Simeon Var- Varlamov from Colorado was arrested on kidnapping charges yeah. and uh, and now Pekka Rene with uh, this E. coli infection and then uh, the Devils are 5-7-5 uh, five, and five. Uh, fifth in the Metro. Um, that's probably where they'll finish, I think. Not quite at the bottom, yeah, but maybe a little middle. Lower, but yeah, it'll definitely be a struggle for them. Uh, how many teams in the Metropolitan Division have winning records at this point? Um, three. three. Pittsburgh. Washington and the New York Rangers. It's just amazing the Predators with 18 points are fifth in the Central. Just uh, that would tie them with the Rangers for third. Yeah, the I mean the West has always been, or not always, but of late they've been very competitive. Yeah. Well, it seems like the East is always. There's always some separation at the top. Right. But, like, the, the point totals are always lower in the East. Like, in the West, at the end of the season, there'll be teams with, with point totals well over 100. Mm-hmm. In the East, it'll be lower, but it'll be more bunched at the top. And then... Yeah. And it's, it's like, since I've started following hockey, it's kind of always been that way. Yeah. And it's just kind of a weird observation. I don't know why that is. But uh, I don't know. Um, well, some good news is that uh, Neil and Bennett returned uh, in the game against the Blues, and they didn't get injured, <laughs> so they'll probably play against the Flyers. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh, you know, with the players coming back, they just threw them right in. Um, I don't know if that's you know, due to their conditioning being so well. Uh, but Latang's first game back from injury, there was talk that, you know, he might be like in the 5-6 pairing, playing limited minutes. And uh, it turned out they kind of needed him, so he played, you know, top pairing minutes. Uh, well, didn't they have it, Neil penciled in on the fourth line for that game? Yeah, and then Neil ended up playing 17 minutes. Yeah, uh, Bennett did play less. He had about 11 minutes of ice time. Yeah, like I said, I don't know if that's their conditioning coaches or what, but it was good to see Neil uh, in game shape, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, um, Neil he even actually had a power play time as well. That's true. Neil actually credited his uh, ability to come back to his uh, off-season training program, which was overseen by former Penguin Gary Roberts. Oh, uh, yeah. So he's like he said that gave him a good base of of cardio and stuff that he was able to bounce back quicker. And so. when you talk about anything exercise-related, Gary Roberts probably is the guy to go to. Yeah. Kept himself in amazing shape, and it 
allowed him to play at a pretty high level even into his 40s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see here. Still injured, Thomas Vokun, Rob Scuderi, uh, Chuck Kobisu, who had a lower body injury, turned out to be a broken foot. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be out probably for a few more weeks. And um, Paul Martin... Missed the game against the Blues, and he mispracticed on Monday, and he's uh, probable for the game against the Flyers. Uh, really no insight as to what kind of injury he has, though. Yeah, in today's NHL, they don't really elaborate too much. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate to hear about Kobasu, uh, him, Skader, and Bokum will all be missing significant time. And uh, Ole Matta actually missed practice, if you want to explain what all that was about. Oh, yeah. Uh, he missed the Tuesday practice due to an immigration issue. And um, that's because, I guess, um, the authorities in Finland approved his visa to be playing um, junior hockey in Canada. And he's instead playing NHL hockey in the U.S., so <clears throat> I guess there was probably just some kind of paperwork issue that had to to deal with, so he's not going to miss any games over it. Uh, he should be playing against Philadelphia on Wednesday, so it's just kind of an unusual uh, unusual reason to miss a game, or miss, miss a practice, but it's something you don't really think about, you mm-hmm. know, when you're in North America, yeah. but... <laughs> And also of note, uh, Tanner Glass did not uh, practice on Monday. Uh, not really much information about that. They said it was a maintenance day, which you never know uh, with how much they keep things secret. Um, but everyone's expecting him to play against Philadelphia. I think he had a hit. Um, he was hit in the Blues game. He was kind of shook up, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. So maybe it's something from that. or I don't know. I mean, he plays a physical game, so it could be some wear and tear Mm -hmm. Um, due to Martin's absence the defensive pairings have been changed Um, the ones that were in practice this week were uh, Orpik and Engeland Mata and Latang, and uh, Niskin and Bortuzzo and I don't like this it's definitely uh, interesting I will say Uh, Orpik and Engeland maybe they're thinking uh, England's newfound offensive abilities will balance well with Bork's or pick. Um, I don't know. I've been liking England this year, though. Just his versatility has really helped out the team. Uh, Mata and Latang. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Latang being paired with Simone Dupre last year, um, where. Latang being paired with a rookie, he tends to play um, a little more careful, a little mm. more defensive game, knowing he has to pick up the slack a little bit in the defensive end. And uh, Niskanen and Bortuzzo, um, I kind of like. Doesn't really seem like a 5-6 pairing. I'm not sure what kind of minutes they'll get. Um, but, I mean, they've both played pretty strong this year. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would prefer that Mata and Bortuzzo be kept together as a unit because that's what it's been. Um, yeah, keep the chemistry together. Yeah, I mean, that's they're used to each other. They've played with each other 
the entire time, except for when Bortuzzo was out, those few games, and then have uh, either... So keep Mata and Bortuzzo, and then Niskanen and Engeland and Orpik and Latang. That's what I would... What about Niskanen and Latang? They've played together before. That's true, too. They're on the power play sometimes. Niskanen's mm-hmm. out there. There's the other point man. So, yeah, the other four, however you want to put them, but I would just I would keep the Mata-Bortuzzo pairing because, I mean, he has been playing well, but he's still a rookie, and just once you get used to a certain guy... Mm-hmm. I think it's you don't need to like throw everything out just because one guy's injured. Right. You still have to be thinking about his development because he's still a teenager. Right. I mean it. I mean, you know, it's good that they can all get used to playing with each other, like with different partners, because of injuries. Obviously, they're gonna probably have to at some point. But mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> anyway. Um, have some broader NHL-wide topics. Uh, I guess recently Gary Bettman was uh, quoted about uh, wanting to bring back the World Cup of Hockey. Um, the last one they had was, I believe, 2004. Yeah. And um, he was quoted about how he preferred that that international tournament over the Olympics because it was something that the NHL could control and it happens in the off season. So they don't have to suspend the uh, NHL season for two weeks or three weeks like they do with the Olympics. And uh, so, I mean, definitely be all for having the, uh, having the world cup. Yeah, I like it. Um, you know, talking about suspending NHL play, uh, it will be a 17-day break uh, coming up in February for the Olympics. Uh, I do like the idea of the World Cup of Hockey instead of the Olympics, where it's a lot of different events. You know, it kind of puts the focus on hockey, and uh, it just, you know, I think it really could bring international appeal, uh, you know, with the venues they have, and... Uh, well, I just think it could be good for hockey. I mean, it's not going to be bad for hockey. But mm-hmm. I don't think the Olympics are that bad for hockey either. Yeah, it suspends the NHL season, but you're not going to watch the World Cup of Hockey if you're not already a hockey fan. But everyone watches the Olympics, so you might get just a casual you know, sports fan mm-hmm. who watches the Olympics to stumble onto an Olympic hockey game. It's not... It's not like the Olympics don't do anything for the sport. Right. You know? But I understand, like, the injury concern about... I mean, that can happen during the World Cup of Hockey as well. Oh, it can happen during the All-Star Game. Yeah. Which is pointless, mm-hmm. I think. And the players don't seem to like. <laughs> but anyway, so that's just, you know, an interesting thing. I was wondering... It didn't really say in the story if that would be the World Cup would be an every year event or every I know in soccer it's not every year it's every 4 years or mm-hmm. 2 years or something so Yeah, I think that would just kind of keep it special, you know. It's not something you do every off season, something you kind of gear up for. Yeah. 
So like every two or three years, I mean, you wouldn't want to have the Olympics and the World Cup in the same year because then that would be an awful right. lot to expect yeah. out of people. Play a full, play a full season, play two weeks in the Olympics, and then play yeah. the uh, World Cup tournament. And it might even just be oversaturation as well. People just lose interest by the end. Mm-hmm. Speaking of oversaturation. This isn't in the notes, but we're going to go with it anyway. All right. Um, the NHL is going to have six outdoor games this season. And I think that's five too many. Maybe six too many. <laughs> um, you know, the the Heritage Classic back in, what was it, 2003? I think, yeah, 2003. Um, you know, it was such a special thing. Uh just, you know, being outdoors, it was extremely cold because it was in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, just a very special event. And they didn't repeat it then until, I believe, 2008 when they had the Winter Classic, which once again was a cool thing. It was in a large stadium. You know, they broke attendance records. They even snowed at the end of the game. Uh, but then they just kept doing it. And, you know, like you said, speaking of oversaturation, you know, it's just, you know, wearing out, it's welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ice is not good for the games. If they want to keep doing it in Edmonton or Calgary, you know, maybe the ice will be better. But, you know, having a game in uh, Pittsburgh or Buffalo even, Chicago, uh you know, they might not get ideal conditions. If it rains, the ice is going to be horrible. Uh, something that really stuck out to me is an interview with Chris Letang. Um, he said he does not enjoy the outdoor games, which is just so surprising because the original Winter Classic in Buffalo, the players were so excited about it, and they didn't even care about the condition of the ice because it was such a special event. But now, you know... Penguins have already done it twice. It's just yeah, not something they even look forward to, especially if they know that ice conditions are going to be bad. Well, I mean, I assume it probably gets really good ratings, and that's why the NHL wants to do it this many times. But they're going to have the Winter Classic on January 1st, as it's always been. Okay. Then they're going to have... Uh, Four additional games in January as part of, like, the, uh, what's it called here? The Coors Light Stadium Series. Okay. And uh, then there's the Olympic break. Then when they come back from the Olympic break, there's one more um, Coors Light Stadium Series a game, which is the Penguins... And the Blackhawks in Soldier Field on March 1st. That is awful late to be playing an outdoor game. Yeah, that's almost asking for terrible conditions. Yeah, it's probably going to rain and be real windy and just be a horrible experience for anyone in the stands or on the ice. And some of the other games are going to be in... There's one, I think, on the 25th of January... In California, it's going to be in Dodger Stadium. 
Like, I know it's in January, but it doesn't get that cold in California. No. I mean, there has been an exhibition game in Las Vegas before. Um, but yeah, you can only keep the ice so cold. Yeah. And then the final one is uh, the Heritage Classic. Um, and that's going to be in Vancouver on March 2nd. Yeah. So, but still, I mean... In- other, That's just too late into the year. Yeah, other people that are against this whole thing is NFL franchises, actually. Because for the Winter Classic, that was going to be uh, Detroit at Chicago. It uh, was at Wrigley Field. The original plan was to be a Soldier Field because of the amount of tickets the Sabres-Penguins game sold. Mm-hmm. And so they approached... Um, I don't know if it was just the Bears they approached, but someone was Soldier Field, and they said absolutely not, <laughs> because they were about worried about the NFL playoffs. Yeah. And January 1st, so we're not talking the wild card, this would be if Chicago advanced deep into the playoffs, and they just wanted to save that date in case, and the Bears didn't even make the playoffs that year. <laughs> so, and then it was too late to change the venue, apparently, but... It just—it seems like there's a lot of people against this. Yeah, I think at max, they should, if they want to have more than one outdoor game a year, they should have maximum three, and they should be leading up to the Winter Classic. Maybe like the week after Christmas, have two outdoor games, and then on January first, you have the Winter Classic, and then that's it. That would make more sense. Yeah. I think because I think that should be like the final instead of the kickoff. And one thing that's a little surprising to me is, I guess I kind of get the whole Blackhawks Penguins thing just because they're two good teams. But do you really want a Western Conference and Eastern Conference team? There's no rivalry of any sort. Well, that's not the only thing. On January 26th, the Rangers play the Devils in Yankee Stadium. On January 29th, the Rangers play the Islanders in Yankee Stadium. Why do the Rangers get two outdoor games? New York. Just pick one. Those yeah, aren't even good. Market. All those those three teams are not that good either. Yeah, Just, yeah I mean, really, the Winter Classic that was in Pittsburgh. It was, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington trying to do a rivalry thing. Really, if there was to be an outdoor game that the Penguins were involved with, you would think it'd be Penguins Flyers at, like, Beaver Stadium or something. It feels like that would be a draw. Yeah, it, that, that would be. But, uh, I just... I don't know. I'm not a fan. I think maybe, like... Because the ice conditions get so bad, that the quality of the game... Right. Is, yeah, is diminished. You're not going to see very many goals scored. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's just kind of almost asking for injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, why not just make it, you know, an exhibition? Make the, make the All-Star game an outdoor game when it's hosted in cold weather cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Get some fans out, even get some fans to crowd around the glass, like on the rink for the skills competition or something. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I was, I saw an ad for that this week because the tickets are on sale and I just wanted to like 
talk about how much I don't <laughs> how much I don't like that. So anyway, back to prepared remarks. Um, NHL GMs had a meeting this week where they discussed the role of fighting in the game. And uh, what were your thoughts on that, sir? I just... I mean, I can see... I don't even want to call it the need for fighting because there is not a need. But I see the reasoning to an extent. Um, you know, we just recently saw... Uh, do you remember who Englund fought at the beginning of the Blues game? I don't. Uh, he was... It was... Reeves? Yeah. 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 Englund and Reeves fought at the beginning of the Blues game, right off the opening face-off. You know, the arguments that are out there for fighting is for regulating the game. They were a Western Conference team. The Blues and Penguins do not know each other that well. And they dropped the gloves at the opening face-off. It was, you know, what we call staged fights, where yeah. they just agree to go at the, you know, when they're standing in the face-off circle. That whole game had a weird feel to it, though. It yeah. was, like, it was super... It was real chippy. But it just... It made no sense, because what, what was trying to be accomplished? Like, that's my big question. What was being accomplished by that fight? And... I'm just... You know, George Lorock, you know, the last, you know, quote-unquote good enforce the Penguins had, he didn't even enforce. He would just... You know, fight the tough guy. Yeah, on the other team. Yeah, anytime they played uh, the Capitals, you know he'd line up next to Don Brashear at a faceoff and say want to scrap. Same with you know Colton Moore, really, you know any sort of goon any of the teams had. Uh, really, the one good thing that he brought to the team was when they played the Bruins. He would mm -hmm. fight Zidane Ochara. Yeah. And that took their captain <laughs> off the ice for five minutes. Exactly. The thing about Lorac was that he, like, he fought a lot, but I wouldn't consider him a goon, though. He wasn't a dirty player. He was just a real big guy who would go out and fight. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call him a goon. He's not like a Steve Downey who's going to go out there and try to injure someone but right. not fight. Yeah, but he was... People throw the term enforcer around. I don't know if I'd call him that, but he was a fighter, at least. Um, you know, some of the GMs did express their opinions. Uh, Ray Shero is not in favor of fighting. Uh, you know, but there are others for it. Uh, one thing that sticks out to me is uh, Keith Primu, you know, former forward for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, has not played in around 10 years in the NHL and can still not exercise. If he does any physical exertion, he starts having concussion-like symptoms, headaches, dizziness, you know, that kind of thing. And really, when they're talking about trying to make the league safer or trying to take out dirty hits, yet still letting players punch each other, you know, in the head, <laughs> this does not make much sense. And uh, that brings us to another issue that I'd like to bring up the uh, goalie fight between uh, Ray Emery and uh, Brandon Holtby <laughs> it was an uh, yeah <laughs> there's a game probably two weeks ago now uh, Philadelphia Flyers and Washington Capitals basically just a line brawl that was going on uh, Ray Emery 
uh, cross the red line, which is a penalty uh, mm-hmm. if you're a goalie, and challenge Brendan Holby to a fight. And uh, Holby originally said no. <clears throat> the referee was trying to hold Ray Emery back, but then stopped due to a risk of injury to the referee, so they ended up fighting. Uh, and, you know, Emery got some good punches in. They didn't really end up fighting. Uh, Emery ended up beating that man yeah. in the back of the head. Just jumping him. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, borderline assault. And uh, Bettman was quoted as saying uh, Emery cannot be suspended due to how the rules are written right now. And uh, one funny thing that got me, though, is he asked uh, Emery hypothetically if crossing the red line was a 10-game suspension if he would have done it. And Emery's like, are you kidding? (laughs) So, you know, why not do that? Um, You know, if you're still going to have fighting... You know, why not at least protect the goaltenders? There's no reason for goalies to fight. Yeah, well, when it comes to a goalie fight, the game has already gotten out of hand, and that right. game was a, a 7-0 lead for the Capitals against the Flyers, and it was at, you know, 5.30 left in the third, so <clears throat> Philadelphia really had no intentions of coming back and winning that game, so yeah, why, not just, just, why not just fight? Yeah, they were just being the Flyers. So, anyway... Um, and uh, the Pens will play that team on Wednesday. <laughs> so, yep. and they have recently reacquired Steve Downey. So that's true. But he is injured. Oh, okay. They reacquired him to add toughness. I still don't understand that team because, like, they fire their coach. Mm-hmm. And try and go in a new direction by promoting their assistant coach. Well, they aren't yet going in a new direction. I believe they will, though. Um, you know, I I really think if you ask anyone, they expect Paul Holmgren to be fired. Uh, really, as soon as the season is over, uh, they might even do it before, just to let everyone know they're looking for a GM. Uh, it's just but you know, like they're going to look for a new coach. They're going to have a new GM. You know, new philosophy. I mean, yeah. I really think they're going to be looking to shake things up and try and do something different there. Now, well, maybe, maybe. I mean, just... they have Claude Giroux. You know, they have someone they can try and build a team around. And you know, even Scott Hartnell. You know, so they have some talent there, but they just need to go in a new direction. Just the doubling down on. Goonishness. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of laughable. Yeah, like. a little peculiar to bring <laughs> Steve Downey back at this point. And it's just funny that like they brought him in to like help you know turn their tide, and he immediately got injured. But I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, the game Wednesday is another Wednesday night rivalry yeah. on NBC Sports Network. So if you don't make enough money to afford that channel uh, you're going to have to hit up a local establishment and hang out there for two and a half hours to see the whole game while you get to hear Pierre Maguire and um, Mike Milbury so extra treat <laughs> but uh, I think that's all we have for uh, for this episode so uh, until next time see you